Welcome to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. Prepare your heart for laughter and tears as we share the unpolished stories of the homeless and hurting, hope and transformation. Here is your host, Director of the Union Gospel Mission, Pastor Tim Lane. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. I have a guest on the program. Uh, it, his name is Matt, and Matt is an intern at the Union Gospel Mission. He's serving in the kitchen, so uh, you know I, I got to be particularly nice to him because he handles the food. <laughs> no, uh, today I'd just like you to once again get to meet one of the men that has come through the program that has their life changed and. So Matt and I were talking about different things on the way over, and I guess you have one child, is that correct, a son? That's correct. And how old is your son? Uh, he's seven years old. Oh, nice. And uh, you are now a, a part of his life on a regular basis? Correct, yeah. So first of all, Matt, I, I got to ask you, what brought you to the mission? Uh, my Alcohol addiction. Uh, I also use drugs a lot as well, but uh, for several years, uh, about seven years, a heavy drinker, um, mm-hmm. struggling with that and, and going down the route of being on the streets. What did you do uh, for a living before you got into the drugs and alcohol and that type of stuff? Uh, I was call center uh, representative, always uh, worked in different industries, banking, shipping, uh, pretty much anything that has a call center. We know a lot of times that drugs, alcohol, and the addictions, and it doesn't have to be drugs and alcohol. There are a lot of different addictions that people can have. And most people out in the regular world don't really realize how many addictions there are. There's addictions to pornography, to cutting, to just everything that you could think of, there's an addiction behind it. And it usually comes out with the same effect in the end. It destroys families and lives and careers and all those type of things. So how long have you been at the mission? I've been there 11 months now. Okay. So Matt went through the program. He graduated the program. He's got the white badge of the graduate on. And so prior to that, what was the effect on your family with your addiction? Uh, It was taxing. Uh, You know, I have one uh, family member, my brother, uh, my parents have passed away, but um, it was very taxing for him. It stressed him out a lot. Um, he was always afraid he would get a phone call uh, hearing that I passed away because I was in the hospital a lot. Um, my son was starting to recognize that I was drinking a lot and could see when I would had when I had been drunk. Um, my my ex was getting really stressed out because I wasn't there for my son. Um, so pretty much it was taxing everybody. And, and really stressing them out, and, and they were losing hope. Yeah, I think a lot of times people expect that an alcoholic or a drug user or somebody, as you said, that's out on the street, they all follow the same pattern. And, and certainly the drugs and alcohol, whether you're in a penthouse, whether you've got a, you know, a six-figure-a-year job, or you have a minimum wage job, the effect can be the same lose the career, the job, whatever it is, drive everybody in your family away from you because they're so used to you lying to them, using them. And it's not that a person may not love their family, but to get the money to do things, there's a lot of times that folks will steal from their families and use them and stuff. And 
it gets to a point where it's so painful for some people that the pain they're trying to escape with the drugs and alcohol, whatever that pain may be, that it gets so bad that it's now worth giving up that drugs and alcohol. So what prompted you? I know you came because of the drugs, but how did you even know about the mission? Um, Well, I actually learned about the mission uh, while I was in uh, one of the mental facilities. I ended up there uh, because I was doing a lot of drugs and drinking and starting to hear voices. Um, So they, they sent me there, and I certainly wanted to get on a path of being clean. I wanted to uh, go back to the Lord, and they had mentioned the mission. I I'd never heard the mission before in my life, and so uh, they mentioned that they're a, a Christian-based program no that doubt. they, uh, you know, they offered a, a live-in program that there was no cost, and right. um, it just led me there. So it it, it definitely was a path that I wanted to be on. You know, if you're, I'm sitting across from Matt and I'm looking at him, and of course I've known him these last 11 months anyway, but, you know, uh, if you saw him in the mall or on the street, you would say, here's a, a young, clean-cut young man. He, You really wouldn't look at him and say he had a, ever had a problem with drugs or alcohol or ever did anything. He looks like your typical young guy who's clean-cut. You could see him in any church. You could run into him anywhere, which just goes to illustrate that we can't look at a person and understand where their problems are or what their addictions are or how well they're doing. I think in churches we do that too, right? We look around, we see somebody, oh, they must be a wonderful Christian because we don't see all the problems in their lives, right? So... You came to the uh, mission 11 months ago, and uh, indeed it is a Christian-based organization. We don't—and we and I know, folks, if you've listened to us for very long, you know that we don't—I've always said we don't take any uh, government money of any kind. And the reason we don't take any government money is because everything we do is geared towards people's understanding of their addiction, but in—and— the deliverance that only the gospel of Christ has for us, right? So you got there. Uh, uh, typically, when a guy comes on the program, the first couple of weeks, he really doesn't want to be there. <laughs> did, how did? How was your first few weeks? Um, it was refreshing, uh, to say the least. Uh, like I said, I, I was uh, a new a believer. I, I started to. I came to God in uh, January of 2018. So I I had left uh, from another program later that year and was struggling in my own walk because I started to drink again and then use drugs. And so being there, having chapel every night, um, dealing with the the chaplains that were there, as well as all of the the staff and and the other brothers that are there, um, it was a refreshing um, because it just, I knew I was in the right place uh, from the moment I got there. Yeah. So uh, you've been at the mission when the pandemic started. Yes. And we had to alter everything the way we did it. And as you know, we were not going to shut down the mission. Uh, We had to make some different arrangements. We had, well, we didn't have 24 men. That's our full capability. But we had 18, 20 on the program at the time. And we had to not let the folks from the street up in the dorms because we didn't have space to to put everybody six feet apart. 
Then to couple out, it, it meant that the guys that did remain with us, the program guys, had more work to do. They, you know, were sometimes doing all kinds of stuff and then doing their schoolwork too. Unfortunately, we were not allowed to bring people into the chapel. So we still needed to feed them. And yes. so you're part of that. Yes. So I think, and Tim, our cook, has, has told me this. I, I don't know if he knows for sure, but as far as we've heard, we're the only ones that every day hand out hot food, right? Correct. Uh, I believe um, from what I've heard from some of the guests that come through is, yeah, we're the only place that open that still hands out food. Um, there are still people that bring them food out, outside all the time on their own. Um, but as far as, uh, you know. Yeah, hot meals and stuff. Yes. So tell me, how do you manage that? What do you do? How, how, do we, how do we get the food into the hands of the people during a pandemic? Um, we had to change, like you said. Um, we used to have them in our dining hall, and uh, now we have to do styrofoam trays and, and move our serving line up and, and serve them right out the door um, so that they, they can come in and grab their meal, um, grab their drink, and you usually have a couple of little extra items for them, bag stuff like chips or candy bars, and then they, they leave the property at that point. And so um, it's an adjustment, but I know that the – the people on the street still appreciate it so much. They tell us all the time how much they they love the mission, and, and even more so in this time of crisis where it, it's not as easy to find a place to get uh, a meal, um, drinks, extra food, and, and stuff like that, blankets when we have our blankets and sleeping bags and things like that. Yeah, even to the little things you don't normally think about, um, when it was so hot and the people were struggling – we couldn't let them come in as we usually do to fill up jugs with water and stuff. So, it, I, and I granted this is a little thing, but it meant that I, we were thinking about it and we took a hose out there and left it hooked up to a nozzle so they could fill up their canteens and stuff like that. Uh, I got to tell you, it, it doesn't matter where you approach it from, whether you think a person is it's their fault they're out on the street, it's somebody else's fault, whatever the case is, at a certain juncture, they're out there, yes. and we have to deal with them. And so I tell people that we're going, they're going to get food, they're going to get clothing, they're going to get those things. So at least we're giving them to them, yes. right? And they're not going out and taking them from somebody else because we'll try to do the best we can. And it's it, you know, there's so much during a pandemic that is little things, right? You said it a minute ago. We try to give them chips. If we get donations of bags of chips or candy. And you say to yourself, well, okay, but that's not part of the nutrition. No, but it is part about of, of making them have a little bit of joy when they're eating, right? Yeah. And you guys work pretty hard putting the meals together, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, we... we Still work uh, just as hard as we we did before. Um, we put maybe every, more. Yeah, <laughs> we put um, you know all the love, uh, the hard work into it. Um, again, just as if they were still in there. Um, you know, we wish we could have them in there serving. Uh, I know a lot of the guests on the street by by first name. Uh, I know um, a lot of the coworkers like Will. There, he, he misses talking with them, and and again, just trying to to bring a light in the darkness at, at times. And um, so, yeah, it's we do just as much work as we were doing before and, and even more so sometimes more. 
Yeah, you know, uh, what I'm really particularly proud of the guys for is just like Nacha said a few weeks ago on, on the air, that he wanted to help them. And that's a sure sign when the guys on the program start to care about what happens to people out on the street, right, Matt? Yeah. And, and I know you do care what happens to them. They're not always friendly sometimes. They're not always in their right uh, minds. But still, to your point, there's a lot of them out there that are just struggling. And whatever put them out there originally, they're truly grateful for the help that they get. Yes. Uh, we're planning on, uh, and I don't, I probably you don't have not even heard of this yet, Matt, but I'm working right now on trying to get some flat screen TV or at least one out on the porch, mm-hmm. letting some of the people in with the required social distancing and the rest to be able to hear the message broadcast out on the porch while they're getting their, their uh, food. And I, my, my reasoning is, obviously, we can't, we have the capacity for, I think, 180 people. Well, you're only allowed to have 25% of your full capacity. So we're not going to be able to fill up our chapel or our dining hall or any of those kind of things. Probably won't be able to bring them into the dining hall. But we'll make sure that, that everybody gets to eat. But I want to give them the opportunity to hear the gospel. Yes. That's what transforms lives, right? Yeah. So you said you just uh, you, you just spent the morning, right, with your son? Um, not today. I had oh. some appointments to run around. I had to go to the doctors. Um, normally, like on Thursdays, I try to make my time to, to head over and, and spend time with him. Oh, and, nice. Um, I, I did so on uh, on Saturday. I had a little time, free time in the afternoon, spend time yeah. with him. So. so how has the reconciliation been with your brother? Um, really well. Um, me and my brother, we, I mean, even growing up, we were never super close, but we're the only siblings. And, and like I said, our parents passed away. So we're kind of leaning on each last other a lot. family, huh? Yeah. Um, so it, it was really strained, uh, the last few years, uh, just anytime he didn't hear from me for two weeks, he, he already knew that I was drinking and I wasn't doing something right. Um, and then he'd get a phone call from me in the hospital and, you know, uh, me being, at a certain level with uh, whatever it was, whether alcohol withdrawal or I hurt myself again from from drinking too much. And um, now it's the, the opposite. Sometimes I, I get kind of caught up and he doesn't hear from me, but he knows that it's not not to worry. Um, he, you know, I, I get to kind of talk to the to him about the gospel. And I don't believe he's a believer. I, I don't know for sure, but I've been speaking to him about that more and more. Um, and he's, you know, he's seeing it, mm-hmm. you know, from, from me going here. He's, he's known me and how I used to, really lean on alcohol and, and he's just seen the change that it's not something that I'm going to anymore. Well, and you know, one of the things that I don't know that we always think about is you come to Christ, Christ changes your life. He moves you down the path of sobriety and of being a member of a church and all those kind of things and family man again. I don't think we always stop and think about the ripple effect that has on other people. Your brother may not be a believer, I don't know, but he may not be a believer, but he sees what God does in you, and that's got to have an internal effect. Yeah. You know, man, he tried everything else, but now, you know, this this brother I love, he's he's walking down a different path. And so sometimes 
you know, just our own character and the own change in our life that God does, it tells volumes to people without us saying a word. Yes. You know, uh, there was a preacher that used to say that all the time that he said, I pre, uh, I preach to people every day and sometimes I use words. <laughs> And really, your character does say a lot about you. If you claim the name of Christ and you go out there and you're a horrible person, that also has a ripple effect, right? Yes. <laughs> and so, yeah, it's it's great. So tell me, after your internship, what is your plan? Do you have a plan back to telemark or not? What, what call uh, center? Call or? center work. Um, I've done that for years, so it's, it's something I really know and um from what I've learned with the internship, I've learned a lot more of leadership skills of um, kind of delegating and, and being in, responsible for a couple guys um, that that work with me. And so that's something I want to pursue in in the call center field is is not just to go in and, and do the job, but I would like to go in and get into a management position and have a little more responsibility and, and you know, and just work harder there. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of my goal is to to go through this process and the, to start down that path. Well, I've noticed that uh, you know not every intern will the cook leave to do the whole thing, and but he has left you to do it, right? Yeah, uh, I know that that was a that question I knew the answer to because I've seen him many times back there <laughs> working in the kitchen. We have a cook and we have an assistant cook, and then we have an intern. And an intern has to get to a certain place before they're going to leave him in charge of making a meal for the evening and everything. And Matt is there. And even to the other day when Tim was going to take a day off, Matt was working back there doing the lunch. And so it's hectic sometimes back in the kitchen because you have to make a breakfast, right? Yeah. You have to make a lunch and then you have to make the big uh, meal at night, not only for the program men, but you have to make a separate meal all for the guests, right? Yeah. <laughs> so how have you noticed a big influx in the amount of meals that you're having to make? Um, yeah, in general. Uh, I mean, there's days where sometimes it's just a little bit lower than, than we expect. But overall, um, compared to when we used to have service and have the, the guys, uh, the guests in the dining room, um, it seems like we're more towards like 100 every night at least. Um Sometimes more than that, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, we had 150 people, and it's it's kind of hard for us to predict that because we don't have, uh, you know, a number of people that come in and we can get a count. We, we just kind of got to go by what what was the previous day and how many people it looks like is out there. So definitely a lot more than normal. And it's difficult, too, because anything that you make as far as a hot meal goes, I mean, you can make sandwiches and things like that, but when you're making hot meals— if you prepare for 150 people and 100 show up, you can't store that food overnight. You know, And that's not us. That's the health department, right? Correct. And I'm not saying they're even wrong, but, I mean, it's, it's hard for our cooks because they don't want to waste any stuff, right? Yeah. But you don't want to have somebody left out either. <laughs> have you had that situation? Um, uh, luckily, I don't think he, either myself or Will have, have encountered a situation where we've ran out of food completely. Um, sometimes as we go, if we either had too much or if we made too much, um, we're able to give more yeah. per tray. So that's, that's always a good thing. We try to keep an eye on how many people are out there. 
And then same thing is if we're running lower, um, sometimes we try to supplement it with additional snacks or sure. additional things so that they still get a good amount of food um, that nobody's getting more or less than somebody else. Yeah, and, and it, if push came to shove, before we would let them go away hungry, we would try to start making sandwiches and stuff. But, you know, when they see everybody else getting a hot meal, a sandwich <laughs> doesn't quite cut it, does it? Yeah. <laughs> and again, uh, some of the extra things, and, and really truthfully, all these things are generally donated things that we get. We will get sometimes cases of individual potato chips. Yes. And if we don't get them individually, we'll get the big bags and then we sort them out into little bags, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so your time at the mission, uh, when you started, you said that you were already a believer, but you were wayward, right? Correct. So in those first few weeks, what did God draw you to? I mean, what what made you want to stay with us? Um, I think the biggest impact was the the staff that have gone through the program, uh, as well as the other staff members, but the, the staff that had gone through the program that were there, uh, all the supervisors, um, Tim, Will, Donnie, Danny, Bobby, um, you know, there's a couple other employees like Jed, um, uh, Bob. I, I kind of gravitated towards that because I kind of just, like I said, I, I saw – myself there and i said man you know these guys went through the program you know whether it was uh you know a couple years ago or, or for some guys you know 18 years ago yeah. and they're they're clean and sober they're living a, a christ-like life today they're they're still working with the mission you know and it just it opened my eyes you know i didn't see that that kind of an outcome for me i kept seeing the the alcoholic like oh, i'm just gonna end up returning alcohol i'm gonna fall short you know and and i couldn't see that and then meeting with these guys, talking with them, hearing their stories, their testimonies really opened my eyes and said, no, this, this is a possibility. You know, God can truly give that to me as long, you know, if I work hard enough uh, and, and focus on God and put him first, uh, that can, you know, I can lead that life. Yeah, no, absolutely. And you keyed into it. You mentioned Jed and Jed is the 18 year old, or he's not 18 years old, <laughs> but he was at the mission 18 years ago. Have you ever seen the picture of Jed? <laughs> yes, I have. <laughs> you know, he looks a little like Charlie Manson in that picture. <laughs> you know, he's uh, he grew up in San Francisco on the streets, uh, drug use with his, his parents, everything. He was just uh, he was just a mess, and he actually uh, Christ took him while he was in prison, and he came out of prison. He went to the mission. He went through the program here. And then he graduated, and he was off, and he was gone for quite a while. And then, uh, you know, a few years ago, he came in and wanted to volunteer. Yeah. He wasn't looking for a job, and, and he did such a great job. I asked him to stay. I asked him to pray about it, and he did. But the peripheral thing is that he got to, to talk to guys like you. Yes. Well, we're down to a minute. Is there anything you'd like to say to the folks out there? Um, I highly appreciate the all the donors that continue to give um the people that that volunteer i still have encounters with people that drop off food that wish they could do more and and i know that just they you know um eventually we'll get to that point where we can have people come and volunteer their time um, but i want to say thank you to all of them from how they've helped me and how they continue to help uh, all the other program guys as well as the guests that are out there that we serve well good and we'll have you back pretty soon uh so 
Matt, I just appreciate you as well. And as always, folks, until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. You've been listening to Voices from the Street, the radio ministry of the Sacramento Union Gospel Mission. If your heart's been touched and you want to know more about the work of the mission, log on to UGMSAC.com, UGMSAC.com. To donate clothing, food, time, or financial help, call 916-447-3268, 916-447-3268. Thank you so much for listening. Join us again next week at the same time for Voices from the Street.